I'm Pastor Brian Paulson, and this is The Message. We're glad you're listening here in Libertyville, in Lake County, or around the world. Center your heart now with the prayer for illumination, listen deeply to the scripture, and allow the message to speak God's word for your life. Our second reading of scripture is from Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. He is writing to Jewish followers of Jesus who are placing demands on those who are not Jewish, but seek to follow Christ, the Gentiles. Listen for the way Paul makes the distinction between a righteousness accomplished by seeking adherence to the law and the kind of righteous love we find in Jesus Christ. So this is Galatians 2, verses 15 through 21. We are born Jews. We're not Gentile sinners. However, we know that a person isn't made righteous by the works of the law, but rather through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. We ourselves believed in Christ Jesus so that we could be made righteous by the faithfulness of Christ and not by the works of the law, because no one will be made righteous by the works of the law. But if it is discovered that we ourselves are sinners while we are trying to be made righteous in Christ, then is Christ a servant to sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild the very things that I tore down, I show that I myself am breaking the law. I died to the law through the law so that I could live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in my body, I live by faith, indeed by the faithfulness of God's Son, who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't ignore the grace of God because if we become righteous through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. This is the end of our reading from Holy Scripture today. May God bless the reading to our use as we walk in the light of God's love day by day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There was a beautiful tree in the backyard of my childhood. It stood with a swing beside our back patio. 
offering shade in the summer and a sense of belonging. And one day, I think I was about five years old at the time, one day, I decided to cut it down. I remember coming home from kindergarten and watching a television show about a boy helping his dad chop wood for their cabin. It seemed like a helpful thing to do. So I went out to the garage, I found my father's saw, and I boldly began to cut the tree down. <laughs> At least until my mother shouted from the window for me to stop. She ran outside and I turned with a big smile on my face to show her how helpful I was being for daddy. And suddenly she realized what I was doing. Brian, stop what you're doing and talk with your father about this when he gets home. That evening became an adventure at the hardware store with my father as we learned what was needed to heal the inch-deep wound that I had cut in our beloved family tree. My father took the time to show me how I harmed the tree, but he offered the gift of healing the wound. The one whose wrongdoing is forgiven, whose sin is covered over, is truly happy. Thus says our scripture today in the opening verse of Psalm 32. Now this was the most beloved psalm of Augustine, the beloved hip bishop of Hippo, the North African theologian of the ancient world who arguably framed the most significant legacy of thought by any person in the Christian and Western world. It's recorded that at the end of his life, this psalm was inscribed on the wall beside his bed, there for him to read and reflect on daily. Centuries ago, Augustine described the experience of what he called happy sin. Oh, happy sin, he wrote. Felix culpa in Latin. Oh, happy sin that occasions such a great salvation. Scholars call this a wisdom psalm. And Augustine once wrote that the beginning of wisdom is to know oneself as a sinner. That may be hard to hear in our world of sensitive self-esteem and the power of positive thinking. Some of us might chafe a bit at language that associates us so closely with sin. A friend of mine likes to poke fun at the way modern pastors construct public prayers of confession. Oh Lord, we confess we occasionally might tend to think or act in ways that border on being wrong. I remember sharing with you the disgust my mother had to express one Sunday after reading the prayer of confession. Driving home from church, she told me, Brian, I didn't do any of those things listed in the prayer this week. But if we can step back and use a wider lens to consider the way that this psalm is constructed, it uses three different Hebrew words to describe the problem. 
Here it is literally translated, these words, transgression, sin, iniquity. And following a poetic form of Hebrew scripture, there is a matching parallel with three words that translate as forgiveness. The author of this psalm is meaning to show there is no escaping sin. (laughs) And no matter how we account for it or what kind of sin it is, it afflicts us all. But thanks be to God, there is no escaping forgiveness. God's steadfast loving kindness. It meets us at every turn and floods us with renewing love and hope. No escaping forgiveness. Except, perhaps, for those who refuse to come clean in confession. In that case, as the psalm suggests, when I kept quiet, my bones wore out. I was groaning all day long, every day, every night, because your hand was heavy upon me. My energy was sapped as if in a summer drought. This is the impact of self-righteousness. The Apostle Paul writes about the delusion of DIY righteousness in our reading from his letter from the Galatians today, when he writes, we know that a person isn't made righteous by the works of the law. Go ahead. Try doing it if you'd like, but you'll only end up sapped of energy and discouraged because we're aware of our limits and failures. We know our sin, don't we? And we get worn out from pretending and keeping it all locked inside. A while back, one of my grandsons was showing off for me and suddenly fell. Oh, the horror, the shame. Turning for me, he told his parents, I don't want grandpa to look at me. (laughs) Isn't that how it is for so many of us? We are often harder on ourselves than anyone else. And I see that in so many of you. I don't want God to look at me. If only I could have that blind naivete of my childhood. You know what I mean? Standing with the saw and a big grin on my face. I suppose that's another dimension of sin, isn't it? Often we do wrong and don't even know that we've done wrong. Not long ago, I spent a few study days with colleagues in Washington, D.C. And while there, I met up with a man in Georgetown, the school I attended as a freshman and sophomore in college. This new friend of mine also attended Georgetown, and at the same time I was there, he had the same beloved Jesuit professor of theology as me, He was raised in, get this, Libertyville. (laughs) He now is a Jesuit priest. He, in fact, is head of all the Jesuits in North America. And, ready? His name is Brian Paulson. I kid you not. As we shared, we realized we were from different worlds, but we had many familiar experiences. 
The New York Times reported recently that Brian and his colleagues established a Jesuit fundraiser targeting $100 million goal to atone for the Jesuits' participation in the American slave trade. At the outset, church leaders and historians said it would be the largest effort by the Roman Catholic Church to make amends for the buying, selling, and enslavement of black people in the United States. However, just 16 months after the fund was established, contributions are only trickling in. Often we do wrong and don't even know that we've done wrong, or we inherit past wrongs and shy away from any shared responsibility. My own Presbyterian seminary, alma mater, Princeton, completed a slave audit and is also owning up to its complex and complicit history. It's no easy thing to confront the twisted legacies of sin. But friends, God is waiting for us, waiting to help us and to heal. Another Psalm, Psalm 130 says, if you keep kept track of sins, Lord, my Lord, who would stand a chance? But there is forgiveness with you. That's why you are honored. Are you ready to receive forgiveness? Are you ready to let the healing begin? Our psalm for today announces in verse 6, All the faithful should pray to you during troubled times. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of rescue. Long ago, Harriet Tubman confronted trouble by singing as she rescued, rescued people from slavery. One of the songs she would lead was Wade in the Water instructing people to enter the water to avoid the tracking of bloodhounds. As trouble approached, the songs would begin, Wade in the water, children. God is going to trouble the waters. You know, that line always bothered me. I thought God would free me of trouble. How is that rescue? Well, the great spiritual writer Howard Thurman explains in his book on spiritual songs, the troubled waters meant the ups and downs, the vicissitudes of life. Within the context of the troubled waters of life, there are healing waters because God is in the midst of the turmoil. God is in the midst of it all, right there for you and me. Three kinds of sin, all kinds of mercy. Don't be like some senseless horse or mule, says our psalm. <laughs> Don't sap your strength with self-righteousness. Confess your trouble. Come clean with God, and God will forgive heal, and help you start afresh. Oh, blessed, happy is the one whose sin is forgiven. Thanks be to God. 
I deliver this to you in the name of the triune God who creates, redeems, and sustains all the universe with steadfast love and kindness. Amen. Thank you for listening on our podcast or through our YouTube playlist of sermons. Be sure to forward this message to someone who you believe is seeking God's word today.